T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, it's impossible, and the reason is uh, structural. That is the... Commissioner is seen by many people, including people in the media and certainly the public, as uh, having a responsibility for the whole game. The the problem is the union uh, sees the world in a sort of bicameral way where they're on one side and the commissioner and the owners are on the other. So any sort of moral suasion by the commissioner is very, very difficult. Um, the union views the commissioner as a as a servant of the owners, and there's some basis for that, obviously, because the owners hire the commissioner. It's a very difficult position. I am that man would know about the difficulty of being the commissioner. That is former commissioner Faye Vincent. He was on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Terrific interview. We will bring that to you in the next hour. Babe Vincent, former baseball commissioner. And I don't think there's any question that Rob Manfred, the current baseball commissioner, like all commissioners going forward, all commissioners since Faye Vincent have been the cabana boys of the owners. They pay their money. They pay the commissioner. They want them. They want him working for them. And that's what happens. And there's no reason baseball players should trust the commissioner, especially Rob Manford, who's disgraceful, who's deceitful, who's who has zero interest in baseball. I don't know if he actually hates it, but he actively he actively does bad things for it because he's doing good things for the equally deceitful people who employ him. That's the one thing I will say for both Selig and I know people like to lump Jerry Reinsdorf into a lot of this. They love the game of baseball. By all accounts, Jerry Reinsdorf, when the Sox won the World Series in 2005, he was he said this was way better than the Bulls titles. Not that the Bulls titles were bad, but because he loves baseball so much, you know, the one World Series was greater than the the six NBA titles. So you never thought that they were against building the game or that they didn't care about the game, you knew they were invested in the game. Now, I don't know. I don't think Manfred is is cut from the same cloth. Though. Number one rule in life, number one rule in baseball, follow, follow the, the money. money. Yeah, so we're going to follow it to our next guest. Joining us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Joining us is Evan Altman of Cubs Insider, who wrote in November, this was happening. Evan Damas, thank you for joining us on the Score. <laughs> 
glad to be here. I was wondering if you guys were going to bring me on. I was just interested in the conversation. And, I, you know, bashing Rob Manfred for a while. Are, I, I could sit and listen for a while. We are riveting. We wanted we wanted to give Trash Panda a chance to continue efforting former President Obama or David Axelrod to talk about the Russians charging Brittany Griner in Moscow with drug possession. So we wanted to, thought that would help. So we were discussing that, which you had written about seeing this coming, maybe not with every detail, but sort of catch up the class with what you <clears throat> suspected, what you thought, what you believed, and also add where you thought, where you think this is now going and when. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I was a little more optimistic at the time that, uh, that perhaps the owners would have come to their senses a little bit more, but, but it just, it felt like well before, I mean, we all knew the lockout was coming, right? That that's what's so funny about this whole thing. And the, and the, the dialogue that's been happening since then from the ownership side of the league side is that everyone knew like this was going to be the play. They were going to lock the players out. Uh, but at the time it felt like one of those that, that, it was meant to create an artificially frenzied free agency period, right? That they could then lean on and say, Hey, look at all this money we spent in November, you know, knowing that this lockout was coming and $2 billion and, and they could kind of leverage that and they'd get a whole lot of hype. And that's at a time when, you know, college football is still in their regular season. The NFL is still in the regular season. Then you lock everybody out. You take a few weeks off. You let all the college football playoffs and bowl games take place you get out of the way of most of the NFL playoffs. And then, uh, interestingly enough, you know, the deadlines and things they had set when they really started negotiating came after the Super Bowl. So you've got all that stuff out of the way. And I think what they wanted was to be able to then have another uh, frenzied period after this thing opens back up, leading into at whatever point spring training starts. Um, however, I think the owners, understandably so, because I don't think they really understand how things operate outside of their own kind of best interests underestimated how unified the players were going to be on several of these fronts. And now we've reached a point where hey, regular season games are already canceled. And I don't know that there's a great deal of urgency, uh, particularly from the ownership side, because their money is locked up more in the postseason. And if you look at, even if they have to start rebating uh, regular season funds to their regional sports networks, that really doesn't come until a couple weeks in. So they're saying, hey, we're not paying salaries, and we don't have to give any rebates yet. And even if we do, that stuff doesn't balance. I don't think this gets real uh, from the ownership side for at least another two or three weeks. So I think we're looking at May at the very earliest for the regular season to start. Wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at Memorial Day. Which, and, and this is to my earlier point, Evan, the the love of the game factor. And I know I'm being a bit of a romantic and we know that the owners and when you're talking about the finances, of the league at no one is, is romantic about uh, how you're splitting up the money. But to me, it's such a missed opportunity. And, and I saw Jason Hayward's uh, Instagram post the other day and I found myself completely agreeing with it as I'm sure most people did when he stated that essentially this was the plan. They don't care about April games. They lose money in April. Anyway, it's not a big deal. Nobody really cares about, April baseball, except the diehards, the attendance is bad. It's cold, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, though, you're you're at a time when you could be the only game in town, so to speak. I mean, March Madness starts here soon, and uh, we will have that. But, I mean, there's no football. You you have your your basketball. But to me, 
baseball is missing uh, a window here. And not only that, but causing long-term, long-time fans to be like, you know what? No thanks, baseball. Yeah, and, and I think that's what, you know, the owners, the league, however we want to look at that, um, I mean, they're one and the same. But I do think they are missing the forest for the trees in this. And, and when I was on the show a couple of weeks ago, you know, we discussed the possibility of this new venture from Sinclair Broadcasting to try to launch this streaming service for sports that would kind of be independent from some of the leagues. But, you know, Major League Baseball wants to set up its own deal that would be a little separate from MLB.tv. You know, again, we talk about the regional sports networks. We talk about how most of this money comes from the playoffs. Well, the problem there is that, you know, these owners are looking at right now. They're looking at maybe April, maybe May, to where they can kind of flip their finances a little bit and break even or maybe even make more money than they would. This all pans out. The problem comes in future years when it comes time to renegotiate those contracts when you're trying to get people to buy into streaming services. Because if you lose those fans now and you don't have the kind of viewership you need at whatever point the playoffs come back around, I don't know how they can expect to extract these kind of billions and billions of dollars from Fox and Turner and ESPN as they move forward. And you're going to have fewer people who are willing to spend money on those streamers and provide provide that extra solid revenue that they depend on. I just, I think the owners are missing a tremendous opportunity here to be able to continue to build their product. And I don't know that they'll actually realize it until five or six years down the road when all of a sudden these revenue streams have been growing and growing and growing for the past two decades start to trickle down and, uh, or or dry up, I should say into a trickle. So uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I do think this thing's got a much longer tail than whatever happens over the next few weeks. Evan Altman of Cubs Insider is our guest here on Saturday Suckage. And, and here's, I, I, Evan, here's how, here's the answer to that, but I'm not sure how it happens. As we see the world of sports getting Pac-Man, we see the gobbling up of sports by streamers when it seems split and sports getting gobbled up by gambling and those revenue, those are the two main revenue streams that baseball owners will have. It seems natural that one would buy the other and you would become the monolith. You would be all things to all people. Whether it's BetMGM that just debuted in Illinois, BetMGM buys Marquee or Marquee buys BetMGM. They're opening up a sports book in Wrigley and the Cubs don't want to declare that part of baseball revenue but that, believe me, is part of baseball revenue. I don't know how that happens. Do you have any idea who buys who and how that happens? Because I believe they have to get together, and that's where baseball sees its giant windfall, not separately but together, and maybe baseball buys this themselves. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems, uh, obviously, the gambling entities kind of seem like the ones, you know, again, we talked about Sinclair, right? Well, what are those former Fox regional sports networks called now? They're all Bally Sports, right? Bally's a gaming company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs have something like a $100 million deal with, with FanDuel, I believe. Major League Baseball has a deal with MGM as its official gaming partner, and there's a reason why the lineups aren't released. You know, it used to be like clockwork about four hours before a game. Yep. But now those lineups have to be sent to Vegas before they can be made public, right? Because those lines have to be set. Um, so it, it, Major League Baseball is very, very much in bed with the gaming industry on a fundamental level, 
right? I mean, when you're, when you're talking about having to give information to Vegas before you can just put out a lineup, uh, I, you know, it's, it's similar to the NFL. Again, they have to release their injury lists, right? They've got to send those through before they get made public because there's just that much of a focus on it. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and, and of course, you know, we can, we can look at numerous instances in the past, but I get a little concerned anytime you have that much of a relationship and there's that much money riding on that industry is, is how does that then begin to impact the game itself and the way it's played and, and those sorts of things. But uh, that's a different conversation. You know, I, I do think that that's where it comes from. And if we look at, you know, whether it's Bally or whether it's another uh, entity that Sinclair streaming service we talked about is thought to be very gambling heavy. That's where the money is going to come from to be able to subsidize these teams and pay them for those streaming rights when, uh, when otherwise, you know, the, the standard broadcast, the money isn't in there anymore. The Cubs are realizing that from marquee, right? They didn't get nearly the kind of deal that the Dodgers got, but the Dodgers are, are that's a last of their kind, uh, kind of a deal, the billions and billions they got from Sportsnet LA. So they're going to look for the next biggest stream. That's gambling. I, I think those, uh, whether it's, you know, FanDuel or, uh, or what have you, they're going to be buying up a lot of these naming rights and they're going to be installing uh, uh, sports books in, uh, in ballparks everywhere. So it's, it's going to be intrinsic. This is not a trend that's just going away next week. You know, every time I hear you said, talk about, cause you've mentioned this before, sending lineups to Vegas, uh-huh. Vegas does a much better job of finding out, finding point shaving than anybody else does. It's their business to know it. the sports certainly don't know cheating. Baseball certainly doesn't. It tr- turns the other way, but we would have been deprived of one of the best sports lineup stories I ever saw was when Robin Yount was approaching 3,000 hits. And I was sent up to Milwaukee for days on end until he finally got the hit. Phil Gardner was manager, and he would make up lineups, and he would post the lineups. One lineup had Robin Yount batting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. He put Robin Yount's name on everyone. And then he, another time he said, okay, I got guys, I, I can't do this. So then he took it down, and it was Yount, Ruth, Yount, Gehrig, <laughs> Yount, Maggio. He was just doing. He was screwing with it, and I thought that was that was the most fun I'd seen with a line. I think that every time you bring up lineups, but you bring up a point of where's the where's the credibility? Rob Manfred and the owners have zero credibility. They have there's nobody who should believe them. Nobody could believe them. That's why the players. Don't believe them. But when you talk about gambling emphasis and where a bunch of money may be sitting and the gambling, the the sponsors of the event have their name on it and they've got a lot of money at stake, are we that far from questioning the integrity and questioning the legitimacy of the outcome? I don't think we're too far. I mean, especially... And if that sounds, and I can completely understand why people might think that's a bit far-fetched, but let's talk about another deal that MLB has, which is that they own Rawlings, who manufactures the baseballs. And how much have we seen over the last few years yep. about different controversies with the baseballs? And Rob Manfred said, no, there's no difference, but you own the balls. They've been x-rayed and cut open, and it's been proven that different balls were in play. And then MLB had to come out and finally admit it. But they're already tinkering with the integrity of the sport by changing the very equipment that's used for it. And again, so now you've got, oh, well, geez, what if there's different, again, there's lines, right, on, on scoring 
Yep. Right. You got the over under. You've got how many home runs. If you've got some prop bets, there's all kinds of things in there. So when you actually own the manufacturer and you have interest with the gaming partner, there's already a lot that's going on there. So I and I think, you know, and, and this maybe is not always the case, but if you can't be honest about something up front and not only not admitting to it, but but actually actively denying it. That, to me, already signals that you know you're doing something that you shouldn't. And then once people finally found out about it, although, again, we've heard it from Manfred. I mean, this is the same person who said Major League Baseball has had revenue struggles, revenue difficulties over the last five years when, you know, right. we have the hard numbers to back that up and show it's not true. He's yeah, a liar. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, and that's that's the, the piece of metal, right, the whole World yeah. Series trophy thing. And listen – uh, an observation before my question, Evan, uh, the fact that we are talking to you about baseball and we haven't talked about actual baseball the whole time is is part of the, the big problem, right? I mean, we all here love baseball and all we're talking about are all these issues surrounding the stupid lockout, which and actually that leads me to my question. And I don't know that there's a good answer for this, because the more I think about this, the NFL, the NBA, how they do the revenue sharing, how the teams are on equal footing, the salary caps being uh, equal for every team. To me, the one wild card in all of the baseball finance thing is you're always going to have teams like the Pirates, and I'll single them out because they're the biggest example of in my lifetime as a Cubs fan, that are not going to spend money, that are going to stink every year with few exceptions, that you know their whole payroll is going to be you know two or three superstars, and you know then you have your other end of the spectrum where you've got the Dodgers and the Yankees and where they should be the Cubs. But how do you reconcile that? How will baseball ever reconcile that problem? I don't know that it really can. That it can. And what's interesting, and there's um, <clears throat> there's some stuff out there. Uh, Matt Snyder with CBS Sports had a really good column that showed, you know, you, you, we think, or, or at least the narrative is that a salary cap is meant to produce parity in the leagues. Um, and, and really, Major League Baseball doesn't have any less parity than, than what you see in the NFL or the NBA at least over the last several decades. However, the revenue structure, the financial structure is such that, as you mentioned, you can have these teams that opt to spend next to nothing and then can just sit back and reap in the spoils from these other teams, and they don't have to produce a winner. You know, it doesn't matter, and maybe every once in a while you'll get lucky. I think the, the only way you can conceivably do it, and the, you know, I think there's other issues there, though. The NFL has a salary cap, but – every team in the league is forced to operate within 95% or within 5%. They have to spend up to 95% of the cap on average over a period of time, or they're penalized and they have to pay that money out to the players anyway. With Major League Baseball, they have a de facto salary cap in the form of a, the competitive balance tax, but there's no floor. There's nothing to stop, and that's why these teams don't want it raised. right? They don't, they don't want to be uh, outspent, but they also don't want to spend any of their own money, which is actually kind of funny. Why would they care how much you spend if, if you're only going to spend $50 million if you're the A's? And the A's got rid of their manager or let their manager walk for nothing because they didn't want to pay him $5 million. Um, so it's, And yet they're scouting out a billion-dollar plot of land. That, that part's always interesting to me. Right. But there's, there's nothing until you force some of those teams at the bottom to spend a certain amount. I don't think there's really anything that the, that the CBT at the top end will help with. No, it won't. The... I have two answers to this. One is baseball needs to be stripped by Congress of its antitrust exemption because that will force they force a true capitalistic market and that will result in what I second what I want to happen second and folding a bunch of teams. 
I would be happy to see baseball fold 10 or 12 teams. And when I read today that baseball owners are read this week, Angels, Diamondbacks, Reds, and Tigers owners are opposed to increasing any part of the minimal increases in luxury tax or the CBT tax. It's just embarrassing. And you're the you're the Illich owned Tigers. You're the Artie Moreno owned Angels. So here's what I would propose. Pirates, D-backs, Rockies, Marlins, Nats, and Reds. A's, Angels, Orioles, Royals, Rangers, and Tigers. You're all folding. That's it. See you later. Hmm. You want to make the quality of the game better? Get fewer teams. And these te- those teams don't want to play we- baseball. But it only happens <laughs> if they lift, if Congress strips baseball of its antitrust exemption. How likely do you think that is, Evan? I think it's highly unlikely at this point unless, uh, well, I mean, heck, we're hearing – you know, reports that they want to expand to to at least two more teams, yep. right? Because it's and that's here. Here's the thing: anytime you hear, if you, if you want to know whether the owners are true, uh, truthful or not, and we we know they're not, but when it comes to saying, oh, it's difficult to you know to maintain a major league baseball team, it's difficult to make money at this and, and pay payroll. If that were the case, then a why are billionaires wanting to invest in these new teams every few years? Why why do people people keep buying into it? And b why are these expansion groups headed up by former MLB executives? If you knew for a fact that this was not a money-making industry because you had been a part of it at an intimate level, there's no way you would go become a group that has to pay hundreds of millions of dollars just to get a new team to expand. There's no way, but, but it's because you know it is a very, very profitable industry and one that is going to produce tremendous asset growth and revenue generation. It's there's there's no way around it. And these guys are in this industry. The people with the money get to help make the decisions. And when you've got billions and billions of dollars and all kinds of investments and all kinds of connections, you've got a lot of people in your pocket who are making those decisions. So I, I don't see that antitrust going away anytime soon. Well, that's how it happens. All right. Evan, maybe next time we talk baseball, we'll actually talk baseball. <laughs> I look, I, hey, I can only hope. Yeah. That look, would be nice. I look forward to it. Thanks, thanks for, Evan. Thanks for taking your time. All right. Take care, guys. All right. That's Evan Altman, Cubs Insider, and we talked about the boring business of baseball, but but the real, very real part of the owners are disgraceful. They're 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 disingenuous. Rob Manfred is just a just a fraud. He's just a clown that that is up there as the commander boy for the owners. And then you see stuff that's really going on the the way the owners are rigging the negotiations to make sure they don't have to do it in April. But there are, I found a couple things that I wanted to share because they made me. You know, they struck at the romance of baseball part, mm-hmm. the the kind of things we might have, that we would tell, the stories we would retell, the lore that gets handed down, or just sure. things that happen that we would have discussed on this show anyways, but we're going to we're gonna now, maybe we need it more because there's not actually baseball. So me and Espo are going to do that. We can do that. We are. We will do that here on... Saturday suckage and uh, trash panda. You still efforting David Axelrod talk about Brittany Griner being held by the Russians. I'm trying, trying. Yeah. And Renegade, how's Good. our guy Renegade? Is he ha- having got trouble? Any having trouble getting a number for for Renegade. <laughs> Try the White House switchboard. They'll put they'll put you through. Maybe I'll there. just tweet at him. You know, take a hail mary. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go. Well, Axelrod's on Twitter a lot. Yeah, he is. David Axelrod would be happy to come on the show. They're both big fans. Both Barack. Maybe, maybe Barry, I, as we call him, 
and Dave. Maybe Axelrod was Dave, at the David uh, Bulls Rod Bucks game last night. Dave. Yeah, maybe right. Yeah. See if he wanted Giannis. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. There is zero okay. evidence saying that they don't listen to the show. Exactly. So I'm trying so we to can say only, we can only assume that they listen every week. So we would assume that your job would become a snap at this point in getting one of them Well, they on should the be show. calling us at this point. <laughs> I, I'm kind of disappointed that they haven't. Tell Axelrod that we want him to talk bulls, and then we'll work the Russian stuff in after that. But he's the nexus of sports and politics. That's why <laughs> That's we right. want him. So they're not hiding the ball on them. Okay. It sucks. That's Saturday suckage. That's why we're here. That's Mike Esposito. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Some baseball, some romantic stories to appeal to the baseball romantic. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. No more politics. From now on, we only talk sports. Can't avoid it. Politics and sports are joined hand-in-hand today. Came news that the Russians have been holding since February Brittany Griner of the Phoenix Mercury Center. She was snagged at Moscow Airport on charges of drug possession. She had um, hash oil in her whatever, in her luggage. Allegedly. So she's been held by Russian authorities, and that news just came to light at a time when Russia is the the <clears throat> world's villain and has been has been in pressure and other threats have been raining down and Russia's Russia's money supplies have been cut off. They're gonna have we're we're gonna have a um island of misfit oligarchs. Because they won't have yachts anymore, no. they've been seized Their boats have everywhere. All been yeah, sunk. Excuse me. So while that was going on, that's we're we're letting Trash Panda, we're having Trash Panda effort, David Axelrod, and former President Obama to talk about that. Uh, Dave and Barry, as we know, and as a four six nine texter, Trash Panda, that is some quality circular reasoning. 
they should call you. Saturday second should be a destination for Dave and Barry. So yeah, people should come to and us. And Dave Barry. Dave Barry should be calling too. That's right. <laughs> people, guests on this show should come to us. They uh-huh. should be begging us to come on, not the other way around. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Well, you keep efforting, David Axelrod and former President Obama. We're going to talk some baseball romance here on The Score. If you want to access to our text line, our text zone, 312-644-6767, that's the phone number that will get you into the show, or it used to. I don't know. I think it's dusty now. I don't. Only on landline, kids. So anyways, I saw this, and I thought, this is, as Ferguson Jenkins says, a message like this just makes you smile. How can you not be romantic about baseball? So let me read you the message. When I was 14 years old, I went to Wrigley Field for a Cubs game versus the Reds. My mom, aunt, cousin, and I flew from Las Vegas. It was September of 1967. You were the Cubs starter that day and threw a complete game. Of course. Of course you did. He's Ferguson Jenkins. The Cubs won 6-3, moving the team a half game ahead of Cincy. Both Ernie Banks and Billy Williams each hit a home run. Imagine That's this. a game right there. He's 14 years old. That's he flies fantastic. in from Las Vegas. Fergie uh-huh. goes the distance. Ernie and Billy Homer. I took this picture of you when you were warming up for the game. I remember calling out your name and you stopped throwing so I could get this picture of you. Almost 55 years later, and I can finally say thank you. This is a 69-year-old gentleman mm-hmm. who sent what look looks like a cut um, a, a Kodak. Yeah, an old old school Why hard copy. Why can't I think of the name? What was the Instamatic? The, yeah, Instamatic. The, the uh, it's not Instamatic. Polaroid. Um, whatever. You know, I no, know what not about. whatever. I my my neurotransmitters are turning to meringue. What is the what is that camera called? I thought it was called the Instamatic. No, it's not. That. It's the one that came out immediately. But it looks like one of those where where you have the the dates are punched on it. And there's a picture of a very thin Ferguson Jenkins standing on the mound, and you can see the bleachers in the background, and he's got his hands on his hips. Okay, take your picture. I'm warming up here, but I'm stopping for you. The ivy behind him is <laughs> lush and full and green. And What is that camera called? Did you find it? Do, uh, do something here. The Why current camera is called the Kodak Printomatic, so that's oh, what I thought it was, the Instamatic. It's not. What is that called? I'm looking. I, I will continue efforting here. So there is this picture he includes in this tweet. And I'm with you, Fergie. I, I, How can you not be romantic about baseball where Ferguson Jenkins is warming up for a game and he stops because a 14-year-old says, hey, can I take your picture? It's just Polaroid. It is the Instamatic. Right, but it's a Polaroid. That was the word I was looking for because we, we use that as the euphemism. Oh, that's okay, yeah. The that's clean extra tissue. Polaroid, Polaroid yep. is yes. Thank it's you. It's called T-Dog. the Instamatic, though, and thank you. I knew our textures would come through, but faster so, than I can Google things. But it looks like one of thank the Polaroid you. things. Uh huh. Um, and and a picture of Fergie with hands on his hips doing that. I just I I loved that. And yep, Fergie, we're with you. Can you imagine? All right, we flew in from Las Vegas. I just flew in from Las Vegas, and boy, are my arms tired. Uh, hey! Like, hey! <laughs> and Take my wife, please. Ferguson Jenkins threw a complete game, and Ernie and Billy homered, and you get this picture, and 
You were 14 at the time. You're now 69, and now you're saying thank you. And Fergie says, love this. Fergie's still waiting for a statue. Okay. So that's one. Now, on the south side, this is a remarkable thing. You you may not know who, remember who Brian Bannister is? Son of Floyd Bannister? Exactly. All right. Also pitched in the majors now. I, vaguely. I have a vague recollection of Brian Bannister. Now right. he is the director of pitching for the San Francisco Giants. I did not know that. I've had some pretty good pitching. So he tweeted this out recently. And I want to read this to you because it's a most remarkable thing. And it's the kind of thing you would want to tell people later on. All right. Brian Bannister, the most important bullpen of my life happened 30 years ago, and I didn't throw a pitch. Here's why. For 15 consecutive years, the day after pitching in an MLB game, my father, Floyd, would religiously go on a traditional long-distance flush run. As he started, I would jump on my bike and shadow him as he made laps around the perimeters of stadium parking lots, neighborhood cul-de-sacs, and outfield warning tracks. Mile after mile, he would run. Now, we've seen pictures, pitchers do that, right? I Pole to pole. We've seen them, a lot of that. Ryan Dempster used to go run Wrigleyville. I remember this from when I yeah. used to cover the Cubs. He used to go run outside. He'd go, he'd go run the neighborhood. The flush run after pitching. Yep. Wait, what does that do? It just gets worse out. It gets all the lactic acids out. It run, flushes your system. It's, that's why it's called a flush run. Can you stop asking us stuff and start continue efforting <laughs> Dave and Barry? No, sorry. My bad. Brian Bannister continues. On this particular day, after completing one of his runs in the stadium, a group of three had formed around the bullpen mound down the right field line. I was intrigued. As an undersized 11-year-old wearing a baggy V-neck jersey, I was hardly noticed as I sat down on the dusty metal bench near the mound and listened in. The three men were talking about concepts that were foreign to me at the time, but I was intrigued at the complexity of the discussion and the connections they were trying to make. The older pitcher talked about how his leg kick helped him throw harder. The younger pitcher talked about how his leg kick helped his sinker sink more. The third man, their coach, was explaining the science behind both their observations. They were also using non-baseball objects as much as they were throwing baseballs. This was fascinating to me. Now, I know you think this is the start of the towel drill, but this is not it. <laughs> That's what I'm visualizing, actually. The younger pitcher came over to the mound and began his warm-ups while the older pitcher watched. I had never seen a pitcher move that way before. His delivery was like a Tasmanian devil. It felt like he was going to kick me in the face on every pitch. But the movement on his pitches was incredible. It was so easy to get caught up in his lower half pirouettes that I was having trouble staying focused on his pitches as they traveled to the plate. Batters had to be feeling the same way when they faced him. The older pitcher took his turn. His delivery was completely different. A much slower cadence at first. Beautiful rhythm, impeccably smooth. Brian Bannister continues. He's describing this older pitcher. As he began his leg kick, his pace suddenly suddenly accelerated, and he exploded. Floated down the mound. Pow! The ball looked like it was rising as it hit the catcher's mitt. As an 11-year-old, this was very confusing to watch. 
the pitchers had completely different mechanics. One pitcher stayed tall. One pitcher got low. One fastball went up. One fastball went down. The coach was praising both styles equally. What I experienced that day has stayed with me every day for the last three decades. First, the pitchers have been willing to try anything to get better. They were open-minded. They helped each other out. Next, their bodies moved much differently, but they confidently embraced their own unique styles. Finally, the coach had been prepared. He was encouraging. He made practicing fun. The pitchers trusted him. I walked away from the bullpen session not grasping the lasting impact it would have on my career and my coaching. I also didn't truly appreciate the talent that had just performed a few feet in front of me. Those two pitchers? They combined to produce a 183.2 F-war in their careers. 14 all-star appearances, eight no-hitters. I know who one of them is. The older pitcher was? (laughs) Nolan Ryan. The younger pitcher, Kevin Brown. Okay. The pitching coach, Tom House. Who still does coach. Yes, he does. <clears throat> Who improved the most that day? The 11-year-old boy. Brian Bannister. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <clears throat> I love that text string, that, that Twitter thread from Brian Bannister. It was just phenomenal. And it was just the romance of baseball. I, I appreciate that. And the whole time, the funny thing is, and even before you said the no-hitters, I'm thinking in my head, just by how you're describing the older pitcher, I'm like, and because I know roughly where – the years fall in here. I'm like, that's totally Nolan Ryan he's talking about. Totally was. Totally was. Ain't no hitters between them. And that's the beautiful thing. And I've talked about this. You, we have talked about this. But you also, uh, with with uh, children of major leaguers or uh-huh. children or whatever, having that type of access, which is really just being able to be there to be a fly on the wall for that, is so valuable and so great. Like, if you're interested in pursuing the game, whatever the game is, in this case, baseball, it's almost, it is the family business, but being able to have that access, whereas 11-year-old me would have loved to have seen Nolan Ryan and Kevin Brown warming up, but my dad didn't play in the the major leagues. Uh I would not have had that access. Just to be able to see that, though, how great that is. That's awesome. He's Mike Esposito. I'm Steve Rosen. We'll take a break when we come back. And um, do we have an update? Trash Panda on David Axelrod. You're efforting him. Uh, getting closer. Former President Obama. Brittany Griner is being held by the Russians on drug charges, and drug charges is in air quotes in my world. So we thought we'd try to effort people. We would try to effort. We would effort the efforting of people in the uh, at the nexus of sports and politics. And If he has Bears thoughts, he could join us. Waiting, uh, you know. waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay. Chris Emma is going to talk Bears with us after one o'clock. I know. But you I know mean, what? Maybe how David we, Axelrod will will have Bears thoughts. How too. about if know. we have the Ryan Paul? We have the Ryan Paul's tape. Let's come back with that. <laughs> and that's why you're working Saturday sucking stretch panda. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back. Ryan Paul said something this week to Good Football, a Good Morning Football that I don't think he said to the Chicago media. So we'll run it by you and Espo and everybody except Trash Panda because. We want him to keep efforting David Axelrod and former President Obama. Saturday second. You figured that out, right? Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Yeah, I do. I really do. And with young quarterbacks, you're looking for flashes. 
and you can see that through the tape and, and that gets you excited and now it's about creating consistency uh, getting back to some of the fundamentals and the other thing I'm excited about is the coaching staff we put in place and, and obviously it starts with Matt but Luke Getze, like when you sit down with him, he's a special guy and he's a teacher. He's passionate about football and he's going to put Justin and, and really everybody in a position to succeed. So I'm excited about his development. Welcome in. Welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito with your Saturday Suckage. Top of the hour, we'll talk with Chris Emma of the score. He's in Indianapolis for the Combine. Bears doing stuff there. And that was Ryan Poles, the Bears' new general manager. And here's why I wanted that played. Like, he was actually using the quarterback's first name. He was using the name of the quarterback. And what struck me is that, and maybe I'm wrong, Espo, Trash Panda, take a break from efforting David Axelrod and he's looking at his phone. So I'm guessing, I'm I'm guessing he's getting texts from Axelrod as we speak. Yeah, the, he, he's kind of busy, but we're going to try to work him in. The The idea, well, when he was introduced here and when he introduced Matt Eberflus, they mm-hmm. did together, they were talking about the quarterback position. Like, they couldn't say Justin Fields' name. Meanwhile, Trash Panda over here is bouncing off the walls every time Justin Fields throws a completed pass mm-hmm. and goes deep. And this is the future. This is the guy. This is this is our franchise quarterback. This is our hope. This is the only thing. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Poles wouldn't even use his quarterback's name. He just talked the quarterback position. And then that was from Good Morning Football. Weird. Right? Is this the first time he's actually used Justin Fields' name? How often does that happen here? But on national TV, he goes and does that. This all reminds me of Say My Name. Say My Name, Heisenberg. <laughs> By the way, that's who. Say My Name. Thank you, Adam. We were, we were um, last week we discussed Winning Time, the HBO special on the Lakers. Yes. But, but it's not, not like the Last Dance documentary. This Fictionalized. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, John C. Riley looked. Yeah. Was dressed up to look like Jerry Buss. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's the magic of makeup. But my first thought was Walter White should have played Jerry Buss. He totally could have. Should have. You know, Jerry Buss was it had a was a chemistry. Yeah. Doctor doctor had a doctorate in chemistry. Mm-hmm. Walter White. That's, that's what he, that's what he is. Say, Say my, my name. name. Okay. We could do that. Yeah. So I I don't don't know why right Ryan Poles did that unless they just finally got around to watching film and he was just so and he still deferred to the coaching staff he was much more likely in this clip to talk about the coaching staff use their names as barely he still had trouble saying Justin Fields what name. I what I don't get I mean and I didn't get it even when it was Matt Nagy but like all of the deference to Nick Foles and Andy Dalton, who you know, or you don't want to start them if if you don't have to. And I I don't even believe. Well, I know Dalton will not be on the team next year, but Foles, at best, is going to be your veteran backup quarterback, right? I mean, he may not even be on the team either. You drafted Fields in the first damn round. 
Do, does Jacksonville not talk about Trevor Lawrence? Do they talk about the quarterback room, or do they just talk about Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. I just I mean, found it interesting. I found it interesting, and and I it made it made me wonder why is that going to be going on? Is that because he wasn't their draft choice? Is that they going to maintain? But this I this let it. down that arm's distance. He maintained an arm's distance. Ryan Poles did. They all did, without saying his name. Without saying Justin Fields' name, and now suddenly he dropped the Justin on you. And maybe I'm we late like to this, but it sound it struck me that this is the first time. First time he'd said that, and he didn't say it to a Chicago audience. He said good morning football. And we got to hear a breaking bad drop, which is always a win. It is. Jesse. What's cock? Heisenberg. Say my name. <laughs> We've been saying the name. David Axelrod and saying the name President Obama. And uh, still waiting. Still. And th- this also, I-, I think of this too. In fact, I-, I had not forgotten it, but after Breaking Bad, you forget, at least I had forgotten that Brian Cranston w- was Tim Watley, the dentist in Seinfeld. Uh, I I did forget that. I had complete. Not that I forgot. I mean, watching it, you're like, oh yeah, Brian Cranston. But watching Breaking Bad, I never thought, hey, it's Tim Watley. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, it's Walter White. All right, we'll take a break. Wow. When we come back, we will talk combine and helping Justin Fields say his name. Ryan Poles, Justin Fields. By getting him some playmakers. And boy, everybody at every wide receiver was fast. Oh my God. Eight wide receivers running sub mm-hmm. four four forties. We'll talk to him about that after this. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito, Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy, the score. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network. From big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.